Hey, welcome everybody back to Mining Stock Daily in another intraday update. Today, I'm joined by a new guest to the show. That person is Mr. Tim Oliver. Tim Oliver is a mine development engineer and analyst. For many of you who are on Twitter, you may have followed Tim from time to time. Uh, Tim is a professional engineer. He's got years of experience in uh, feasibility studies and PEAs. And so I wanted to invite Tim onto the show. Uh, basically, Tim, when it comes to de- late stage developers and actual mining operations, I want to find some silver lining in this whole thing that we are now. Uh, I don't even know if we're in the middle of it. We might be in the early stages of it. Uh, but before we get started with uh, whatever that silver lining might be, can you just give us a brief introduction to your uh, career and and what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. I I spent the first half of my career. Um, well, I, okay, I went to New Mexico School of Mines in Socorro, New Mexico. I graduated in 1976 with a degree in environmental engineering. Uh, that degree came out of their metallurgical group. So that's really what the curriculum mainly was with a few variations on different environmental topics. Um, my dream was to get a job in the copper industry and move to Tucson. And uh, I did that. And that's where I started. And starting in 1977, for the next maybe 16, 17 years, I I worked at location, at producing operating locations for producing mining companies, mainly in copper. But I also ended up in phosphate or phosphorus up in Idaho. The Monsanto company makes elemental phosphorus, white phosphorus, if you will. And then uh, I worked for Phelps Dodge in New Mexico and uh, pretty much um ran my uh ran the course uh got got up high enough in the organization that i couldn't take it anymore and that's when i launched my consulting career and i just basically started calling people and picked up jobs here and there doing small permitting jobs and that kind of thing for quite a few years then i uh i went broke in the downturn at the end of the 90s and uh had to get a real job again and i went to work for m3 engineering here in tucson i was there for seven years and that's where i became a study manager as for lack of a better term i uh, got my professional engineering certification became a study manager for ni43 101 studies and and i felt like i found my home those that whole business makes a lot of sense to me and i found i was good at it and uh, that's pretty much what i'm involved with uh with now and uh, like on the client side i help them make sure their studies are properly undertaken and and uh you know they don't get too far out in the la la land on so them. you really live for kind of the nitty-gritty technical reporting from those ni-43 101s and you've always loved it yeah i have um well, getting back to the the topic at hand that's a good segue and uh what i believe in is fundamentals and they don't change we're in crazy times now but 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 that doesn't change the fundamentals of the business which is um you know sticking to the plan and you know engineering is you, you can't really wing it there's a way to do things a proper way to do things and if you start to take shortcuts and hope for results or kind of um, 
push the envelope too hard, you're going to fail. Mm. The whole purpose of engineering is so that the project succeeds. That's the key word, succeed, project success. Tim, I mean, there's numerous variables out there when it comes to the overall success of operations at a mine. Um, but let's just highlight a couple of them that have kind of come to light here recently. And let's stick with the gold producers if we can, um, since yes. since that's where a lot of attention is right now with the fluctuations with the gold price. Uh, for people looking to invest in gold producers now, what should the novice or new investor look for when it comes to operations and production? What what's the what's timely now that should be a uh, a uh, shining light, I guess, if you will, to look for to put your money? Well, I'm going to repeat what I said before. I don't think. For the investor, things are that much different of what to look out for. I, I'm a, I'm, I look at things kind of a backwards. I look for mistakes, errors, and and signs that things aren't going well, and then I encourage people to bail. The first thing is always the resource. If it isn't in the ground, you're not going to get it, and the, the best uh, engineering in the world isn't going to make a successful mine out of a, uh, a poor resource. I'm not a geologist. Um, I recommend that investors research and find a geologist. Find somebody that you, you trust and follow them. Become, become a, a fan, if you will. Uh, I personally, um, I know Brett Cook very well, Joe Mazumdar, and Brett is my go-to geologist. I'm his go-to engineer. And I understand what he talks about. I never had any appreciation for the term uh, grade continuity till I met Brent. And now I understand that. And that's what I look for as far as the resource goes. Then you have to get it out of the ground and make money. And that's where I come in. And I don't like, um, I don't like sexy. I don't like fancy. I don't like innovations for junior miners. Leave that up to the majors. They'll, they'll, they can afford to take the loss on innovation and move things forward, and they will. But it's not that's not the place for a junior. Do you think investors maybe underestimate the uh, um, the importance of say a metallurgical plan or diagram as a projects continue to move forward? Say this geology continues to move from um, uh, resources to reserves. I mean, how important is that metallurgical plan for investors? <laughs> On the early stage, early stage of projects, I, I think it's that's the heart of the engineering. That's really what drives all of the engineering. It's a process flow diagram, I think, is what you're talking about. And uh, mm -hmm. if you've satisfied yourself that the resource is satisfactory, then it comes down to how you're going to execute this thing to to make money. And really, the key to that is a process flow diagram that works. It has to be based on a, enough metallurgical test work and the right answers in the test work in order to provide the criteria for the design of the, of the process. So um, that's where you look for this going through the steps, the grueling day after day of proper metallurgical testing, uh, proper evaluation of the tests, and just because somebody falls in love with a particular concept of of processing doesn't mean it's the right one. You have it has to be uh, according to the the science. 
And it is science. Sure. Don't sure. forget. Now, geology is is science too, but it, it's it can be very fuzzy. Um, there's a lot of intuition in geology and that, but in the, when you get to metallurgy and plant design, there's nothing fuzzy. It's all um, just mechanics and doing things the right way. Tim, given the timeliness of this discussion, let's just say we have about a $1,500 gold price. I mean, <laughs> we, we closed today above that, but yesterday and the day before it was well below that. But my question really is with that $1,500 gold price at when we're, you know, a year ago when we were around $1,200 gold, one thing that always kind of, I always kind of heard often was, well, the gold bull market will basically save the company. Like it'll bring them out from the brinks. I mean, if they couldn't make it, if they couldn't make money at fifty or twelve hundred dollar gold, let's say they're basically profitable now at fifteen hundred dollar gold, is that still a red flag for you? Or what? What? What kind of cash costs would you like to see would would be a successful mine operation? Well, uh, cash cost has a particular definition, and it's, um, you know, that's what they spend to make an ounce of gold uh, at the mine, and then there's you know the the all-in sustaining costs, and we get into these definitional things. But I think mm -hmm. the key thing is, if a uh, an operation can't make money at twelve hundred bucks an ounce, stay away. You know, I I don't watch the price. I watch the uh, being you know best in class, having mm -hmm. the the proper process, the proper people, the proper location that you can. Uh, execute the project and make money. If you look at the price of gold in real dollar terms, in constant dollar terms, going back to the 90s, the 80s, even go back to for for the century, you'll see that we really have been in a sustained uh, high price of, of gold. Mm -hmm. And and so um, you should be able to make money at $1,200 an ounce. As time goes on, you know, the worldwide grades drop and things get more expensive. I realize that, but, but I think 1200 is a good benchmark for uh, the investor. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. That's good to know. I mean, the costs, the overall cost during that, that, you know, that big long bull market that you just described, I mean, obviously costs have gone up, right? Uh, yeah, the inflation has been present anywhere from energy to construction. Yeah, but I'm labor. talking constant dollars, though. Everything okay. in constant dollars. Okay, very good. So I want to ask you about one of those costs. And actually, be, given the timeliness of this, yeah. is the oil and gas price. I mean, we are seeing, uh, I don't know what it ended up today, but we're seeing a barrel of oil now about $30. And uh, given the geopolitical issues between Russia and Saudi Arabia, if you were a mine operator right now and seeing low low uh, oil prices, what would you recommend doing? Well, you know, commodities tend in in the uh, as a general rule to track together. Uh, it's not very often that you have a the gold price is in the basement and the oil price is stratospheric. They, they, they travel together more or less. So yeah, you might be saving your, on your operating costs because the fuel for your machinery is cheaper and, and that kind of thing. But 
you're also going to be getting less revenue from your product. So, you know, the one tends to cancel the other one out. The primary one is the cost, uh, you know, the, the commodity cost. That's the big driver. And then the, um, the, the fuel price, that's, I would look at that as a, a nice temporary bonus because it's not going to stay down. Mm-hmm. Maybe if, you know, like any business, if you get into a situation where your cash flow picks up a little bit, that's the question. That's what you want to look at in your mind. Is he doing the smart thing with that little bit of extra cash flow? Is he putting it back into his his operation to streamline it and to expand or to uh, develop new um, parts of, uh, of the resource? Or are they buying back stock hand over fist to enrich the board of directors, which is basically stock buybacks, in my opinion, are are uh, not that helpful for the investor. Well, and I think that, you know, something I heard a couple of times last week when oil did get really hit was, well, this is this will definitely help the operating costs. But obviously, with the number of variables that are also going around, I mean, that could almost be negated. In your yeah, life, it's not a labor not shortage a or anything like that. I tell you, it's not so, going to be a big deal. Some okay. places use more fuel than others. If they've got a really long haul, then they're going to use more fuel. But some places have a relatively short haul, so they, they have a relatively less advantage. If you happen to be that rare mine where your fuel cost is really your controlling driver for your economy, you're going to do much better when the price of oil is down. But if you're in a situation where it's not making that much difference for you, then it's not going to be that much of a benefit. Okay. Uh, I just got a few more minutes here, Tim, but I did want to leave you with uh, the idea with within the realm of mergers and acquisitions. Uh, do you think this squeeze in market caps – uh, for basically juniors and maybe late later stage developers might converge into more M and A uh, this year, or do you think we're just got our hands pretty much tied at the time being? No, I think that uh, you know M and A is always happening. Uh, the 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 intermediate and major producers are always looking for a way that they can um, bolster their business by picking up something that they feel is going to add to their portfolio and make more money and, and, and fits in. That's uh, that exercise of due diligence is, uh, is almost an art, but you've got to have an engineer on that team to look at the nuts and bolts to make sure that you're again, go to your flow sheet, look at the equipment that you have installed and, and that kind of thing. So it's a constant M and A's are a constant. Sometimes if cash flow is really tight, uh, and it's harder to borrow money, then that acquisition is going to cost you more because the cost of money is higher. And so it, you might want to wait until uh, the bankers are a little more friendly before you make that acquisition. But I suspect most of them are driven by opportunity. And if an opportunity is good and you can demonstrate that it's going to add to your bottom line, then you'll find somebody to lend you the money. Right. Tim, thanks for... Uh... Thanks for joining us today on Mining Stock Data. It's good to have you on. Oh, yeah. Well, it went fast. <laughs> well, I hope you weren't too nervous for this curtain call. No, uh, I don't get nervous. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey. No, no, you did great. You did great. Hey, uh, before we do let you go, if uh, somebody wants to reach out to you with any questions or anything, how would they do that? Oh, email is the best way. It's tim at timoliver.us. 
All right. Tim, take care of yourself and uh, stay healthy, okay? Stay healthy, all right? See you soon. You too. All right.